we got some work to do. This is the Advanced Scout with Tom Offerman and Matt Williamson. The Steelers coming off of a big win against their AFC North rival Baltimore Ravens now have a short turnaround and face the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota on Thursday Night Football. Matt, before we dive into anything here on this episode of the Advanced Scout, I know you probably have some thoughts on Thursday Night Football and they're not flattering. Yeah, they're not. I mean, it's a money grab. I mean, the only thing I like about Thursday Night Football is I get to concentrate on one game and two teams all at once. So standalone games are great for that. But for a league that, you know, trumpets about player safety, I don't think Thursday Night Football is the safest thing for players. And people don't realize this, but the away team really doesn't even get a practice. You know, I mean, the home team kind of gets a practice. But there's not much game planning for these. And... You know, in this case, it might actually kind of work the Steelers' favor, though, considering how banged up the how Vikings banged are. banged up the Vikings yeah. are, which we'll get to a lot over the course of this episode. You know, Tomlin said kind of similar things that you said. You know, he didn't even look at the Ravens game after that wrap There's up. no time. Just, I have to, right, I have to right, immediately right. turn the page and look at Minnesota. So yeah. that film is just garbage to me. <laughs> it's no so time to do it. I'd love to, love to dig in, but can't. The Vikings are 5-7. and seven. They just lost to the winless Detroit Lions. Lions getting their first win. Here's a remarkable stat about the Lions. Or, excuse me, the Vikings. 11 of the Vikings' 12 games this season have been settled by one score or less. Their seven losses have come by a combined total of 28 points. Their average margin of defeat is just four of just four points is lower lowest in the NFL. In 11 of their games this year, the Vikings have had the ball with a lead on the scoreboard, which tops the NFL. Somehow they are 5-7. and seven. This team is one of the most right. head-scratching teams in the NFL. Really is. They have a lot of talent. They yep. score a lot of points. But for whatever reason, they just can't seem to win these football games. It's also funny, you look at, they average 5.8 yards per play on offense. Mm-hmm. They give the exact same amount up on defense. So yeah. that cancels <laughs> right, each other right. out. They score about 25 points per game. They give up about 25 points per game, so they cancel They're each even other Steven, out everywhere. Right, yeah. uh, it's funny. Like, I've often called them throughout the course of the year the most average team in the league. That's not good. <laughs> that's not bad. I mean, just 16th, you know, 15th, yeah. 17th, you know. That's kind of what they are. But right now, and it's not just because they lost the Lions. I mean, everyone lost their mind around here when the Steelers tied the Lions. Detroit's playing competitively over the last month. They're not a total Agreed. joke. You know, I mean, they haven't so, quit on that coach yet. No, not at all. They play hard for him. and right. But where the Vikings are now, considering their injuries and who they're trotting out there, I think they're a well below average team, despite what these numbers, you know, state for the uh you know, for the duration of the season. And another one that's noteworthy Lately, they've been giving up a lot of second-half points. You know, they're just thin right now. The defense just is banged up, and they're falling apart late in games. And Steelers are scoring a lot of second-half points. They gave up 29 points to the Detroit Lions. The Lions hadn't scored more than 20 points since, I think, the first week of the season when they came back against the San Francisco I think you're right. 49ers. Yeah, you're right. yeah. So not good for there the Minnesota it. Vikings defense there. Before we dive Head first into all of the good stuff here on the Advanced Scout. Give you a little series history between these two teams. They first met in 1962 with the Steelers winning that game. But of the first 13 times these teams met between 1962 and 1995, Minnesota won eight of those matchups. The biggest win, of course, though, went in Pittsburgh's favor. Their first Super Bowl win in franchise history. Super Bowl nine over the Minnesota Vikings, 16-6. to Got a safety for the first points ever scored by the Steelers in the Super Bowl. How about that? That's right. very fitting for this team and the dynasty that would come and to follow starts, after this right. game. 
overall, this meanwhile the year, Vikes were going to Super Bowls left and right. Exactly, they went to like half winning, the first eight Super Bowls. <laughs> right, right, right. Could never end up winning the game. Uh, the overall tally is nine in the favor of Minnesota, nine in the favor of the Steelers. So unless we have another Detroit Lions event, it's going to be a broken tie to yeah. see who has the advantage in this series. The Steelers have won four of the last five matchups against the Minnesota Vikings. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a, not a ton of history. They don't play that often. The only thing I'd say that was head-scratching is they started in 1962, and they've only played, what, nine and nine. So right, 18 right. total games against each other. That's only one bizarre. in the postseason, of yeah. course. And, you know, right. Yeah, it is bizarre. I mean, it's it's I don't know how that worked out exactly that way. And I know the formula, the AFC doesn't play NFC that often, but still. Still, it's bizarre. It's been around a long time. Yeah. Right. Well, let's look at Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings offense to kick things off. Uh, I think it's fair to say it's probably one of the more potent offenses in the NFL when right. when it's fully healthy. Yes, I That's agree. That's the key caveat here. Yep. No Dalvin Cook in this game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Probably not going to get Adam Thielen. Play, High ankle right. sprain, turning around four days to play after that. I mean, it would have been questionable to, if they were playing on Sunday that he'd be back, let alone right. on a Thursday game. So, I mean, the blurbs I've been reading early in the week are – they're hopeful he's back for the end of the season. You know, they, they don't think it's a season-ending, you know, injury. So I, I think there's very little chance we see Thielen in this game. But they do have Justin Jefferson, and boy, is he something. He is a load. We'll definitely have our fair share of things to say about him. Without Thielen or Dalvin Cook, though, the Vikings will be missing 35% of their offensive yardage yeah. production and 43.8% of their touchdown production. <laughs> Almost half yes. their touchdowns come from Cook or Thielen. Both guys out in this football game. So, advantage Steelers there. Thielen, to me, is a very high-quality number two receiver. I mean, I even preferred Diggs over him when they were humming. But right now, Jefferson's the better player. But his specialty, and it's not fluky, it's not going to come back to the mean, is catching touchdowns. I mean, it's remarkable. Ten on the year so far. <laughs> yeah, that they target the him all the time. He's great at it. And Cook's a special back. I mean, they can survive with Madison. He's fine. He's a good backup. But... With both of them out, I mean, that's a lot of stress on Osborne and Conklin. That's and what Madison, I mean. The, the drop-off you know, yeah, from Thielen big. to number three, whether that be Conklin as the tight end or right. another one of these Osborne, wide receivers like uh, Osborne, yeah. maybe even D.D. Westbrook. Right, right. They barely ever throw the ball to Westbrook. I mean, it's a huge drop-off there. It was a real top-heavy to offense the to begin with. The cook to Madison, though, that's That's like feasible. Yeah, right. Madison's I mean, still an NFL back. I yeah, think. the Steelers would like to have a Madison. You no know, question. Right, you know, right. Great yes. point. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Even though Snell had two of his best carries, maybe he in did. his Steelers he did. career <laughs> against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the personnel packages you'll see uh, out of Minnesota on Thursday night by NFL standards, a little unorthodox. They use 11 personnel just 46% of the time, where league average is 59%. Maybe that goes down with Elon out, too. Right, exactly. You know, right. Uh, 12 personnel, they use 14% of the time. That's 8% below the league average as well. They use 21 personnel. And 22 personnel, uh, a lot. 18% for 21 personnel and 22 personnel 8% of the time. 7% is league average for 21 personnel, so they're mm-hmm. well above that. That's uh, two backs, one one tight end. And league average is 3% for 22, two backs and two tight ends, where they're humming about 8%. If you see them in 22 personnel, key on Alexander Madison. They're almost always 86% running 86% of the time they run out of that package. What to take away here is... They're not. They've never really stressed a third receiver. That goes back to the Diggs Thielen days. Um, they really like the fullback Ham. I mean, he plays a lot of snaps. He's the 
That's why there's a lot of 21, a lot of 22. He has, we're talking about replacing Thielen. He has two fewer targets than D.D. Westbrook does in the Hand passing does? game. C.J. Hand. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, It's not much, he but He plays still... a lot. Right. So he's a foundation of their offense. They're a little old school. They're a, a Kubiak zone blocking type of system generally at their roots. And... Uh, you know, an athletic offensive line. But there's an injury on the offensive line, too. Derisaw, their left tackle, who I'm sure Steeler fans remember, he got picked right before Najee. He's been playing really well, and they kicked the guard out the tackle, and he got whipped time and time again against the Lions, and the Lions' pass rush isn't much to, you know, worry about. Well, there's a lot to be impressed about with this Vikings offense, but yeah. what's been really impressive to me is their protection, not only of just the football, but of Kirk Cousins as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cousins has only been sacked 18 times this year. Yeah, They only allow 1.5 sack per game. Tampa's the only team that allows less sacks per game than the Minnesota Vikings. That's been something plaguing them for years. Kirk Cousins yeah. just never has time. He can't get. He can't really set himself, and a lot of his turnovers were probably credited to the fact that he had two seconds before he had to get rid of the ball. You're right. They've now, been working on this line for a while now. Now it's paying dividends. Yeah. They don't sack Cousins really at all, and ooh, what a coincidence. He's only thrown three interceptions this season, which as a team total, that's best in the NFL. I mean, he's 25-3 to three touchdown to interception ratio. It's something that he's never been able to really do yep. his entire career on the interception side of things. This is his seventh year straight now where he's thrown at least 25 touchdowns. Yeah, so I mean, he always a, puts the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, he's a quality quarterback. I mean, people look at him like he's the Mendoza line. He's, he's probably the better top 10 than, more yeah. than he is the bottom exactly, 10. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. He's an NFL quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's a quality player. And he's probably having his best year as a pro. I mean, I think a lot of it is because the, the turnovers are down. Uh, he's got a good supporting cast around him when it's right. One thing about Cousins, though, and I used to say this a lot about like Andy Dalton, is the longer the play goes, the more room for error there is. He's not <laughs> a real creator. If things don't go to script and he needs to improvise or get them out of a bad situation, that's not really his uh, you know, forte. And if you look at like the pro football focus numbers on him about under pressure versus clean pocket, they're drastically different. I mean, everyone's worse under pressure, but his is a bigger jump than most. You know, he strikes me as a guy that needs things to go according to plan. Mostly, and yeah. This is kind of a stretch. You might think I'm stretching way too far here, but he doesn't play well on primetime games. He doesn't right. play well when it's a West Coast game at 425. Like, he likes that strict 1 p.m. kickoff on the East Coast time. I from that time. angle, like, but I think you're right. right? He's a creature like, habit. He like, loves, I like things I get the way I like things. Yeah, I get up at 8 a.m. I go to the stadium. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And now I'm waiting around until 825 for kickoff. Yeah. And I'm starting to get a little tight over here. So Maybe. Maybe I'm just I think just he is kind of a high-strung guy, though, too. You know, the whole, you like that and all that stuff. I mean, like, yeah. I think he kind of gets in his own head and is an emotional guy that – Likes things the way he likes things. So maybe Thursday night's not the best thing for him. Maybe not. Despite such an elite passing attack, which we will detail shortly, the Vikings do like to run the ball a good bit as well. No Dalvin Cook, like we mentioned, so that means Alexander Madison gets the call. He's got 522 rushing yards and five career starts for Dalvin Cook. So he's he's averaging over 100 yards per game when he has to play. Uh, He had 90 yards against the Lions just last week. He averages about 3.7 yards per carry on the year right now. It is a drop-off, and the Steelers should be thanking their lucky stars that they don't have to face Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. It helps them for sure, but it's not, you know, 
the death of the Minnesota Vikings to have to go a couple weeks without Cook. Like you said, you kind of wish, overcome you wish that the Steelers one. had this little insurance policy that the Vikings have going Exactly. On. Like, that's not a knock on Cook at all. He's great at what he does. Oh, yeah, of course. They can overcome a Cook injury. I don't think they can overcome Thielen and Derisaw on offenses easily. No, I completely agree with that. Um, Cousins targets, you just mentioned Thielen. Mainly it's just Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Big time. 47% of the targets that Cousins throws go to either one of those two guys. Uh, Jefferson leads the team with 112 targets, 78 catches, a whopping 1,209 yards through the air already this year. Hmm. Thielen has him in touchdowns, though. He's got 10 to Jefferson's 7. Thielen's 10 leads the team uh, this year. Without Adam Thielen, that's a significant amount of targets that you're taking away from Kirk Cousins. Does Justin Jefferson just get 50% of the targets all on his own now? I mean, you mentioned guys like K.J. Osborne. Maybe he steps up. Uh, DJ or D.D. Westbrook. Maybe he steps up. Maybe they just go to their tight end, Jack Conklin, a little bit more. All of it's these options question. aren't great. Like none No, of none of them are They don't present ideal. a solution that's like, oh, Eureka, that's what we should do. Yeah, and we talked about this offense. It is good, you know, when things are right. And one of their – one of the things I compliment them on is they do a great job of getting their best players the football. You know, not every team does that. It's it's Thielen, it's Jefferson, and Cook. I mean, they get the ball all the time. They're clearly their best three weapons. But the guys behind them, you know, just aren't as proven. You know what I mean? Right. It's just a drop-off. It's a difference. So how does that affect Jefferson? I don't know that it does. He's so good. I, I mean – this might sound like it's... Maybe the best receiver in football already? Uh, says, uh, if I was starting a team, you know, if we factor in age and all those things and I get to pick one, I think he's my pick. You know, I mean, like, build around him. He came in the league and just lit it up. I mean, Immediately. He does it all so well. So he's a special player. I bet Joe Hayden's not going to be out there for this one. It doesn't matter if he is. It's still an advantage. Jefferson, I would imagine Minka's going to be over that way a lot. A lot. But, He's going to get his. I mean, he's going to end up with 100 yards. Well, it's and, nice that know. Thielen's out, though, because you can shade Minka over there exactly. a lot more, and you're not going to get bit by it too much. They're a lot easier to play against now. K.J. Osborne had about 70 snaps against the Lions in Thielen's absence, mm-hmm. which was actually one more than Justin Jefferson. So based on he's that, play he's probably going to be yeah. the one that slides into that Thielen role. Some notes on Jefferson that are just out of this world. He's got 577 receiving yards over his past four games, so he is on absolute fire. He has eight games this year with at least 80 receiving yards. Jefferson had six 100-yard games as a rookie, and so far this year he has five 100-yard games. So in 28 games played in the NFL, Jefferson has reached the century mark 39% of the time. (laughs) Last week he had a ho-hum day of 11 catches, 182 yards, and (laughs) a touchdown. He's going to be problems even without Thielen, which they were without Thielen for the majority of that game, and it did not affect him at all. And going back to our advanced scout of the Lions, the one thing they kind of do well is that pass defense in their secondary. It's not terrible. Right, right, right. He was still able to just carve it up without his partner in crime out there. It's going to be trouble for Pittsburgh. It it is. I mean – in a way, I just kind of expect that he will get 100 plus yards, uh, whether they win, lose, whatever. Uh, hopefully, he esque targets like 15, 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah. downfield, you know, all over the place. I mean, and such is life. You know, I mean, he's going to be the, the focal point of their offense. I don't think the Steelers will stop him. I don't think any defense out there would stop him <laughs> right. particularly well. Yeah. All I just, this being said, we yeah. shouldn't be like the Steelers' defense stinks and they'll never stop him. Like, no, it's just what he is. Any team we'd be doing an advanced scout show for across the league, even if you had Jalen Ramsey, we'd sure, be like, oh, sure. we're in trouble here with if Justin Jefferson. If it's Jefferson. the Patriots, if it's yes, you know, whoever. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's that, good. he's that good. You just hope the rest of the crew doesn't beat you. 
which the Steelers have been really good at taking away, you know, Something. if you have one big thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. we can grab that Adam and you're Waller, done. Right. They did it with Jamar Chase a couple weeks ago, too. The yep. unfortunate thing is T. Higgins and Joe Mixon are pretty damn good football players as well. The Vikings have those taken out of the They're kind of missing those two though, things. So right, exactly. Maybe that point. helps the Steelers there. Uh, one last thing I want to touch on before the defense, Ty Conklin. Only really the tight end you got to worry about as far as the pass-catching game is concerned. Mm-hmm. He's third in targets for this team. Uh but like we said with their personnel packages, you'll see Herndon and you'll see Luke Stalker about 13 or 14 snaps here or there mm-hmm. throughout the football game. But Conklin's the only one that they really ever throw the ball to. No, so. I mean, that really should have been Irv Smith, if you remember. I mean, he was there. They were hoping for a third pass catcher to really step up. And Conklin's been good. I it's mean, he's, okay, exceed- yeah. Yeah, he's exceeded expectations. Probably going to have player. to step up here a little bit more, though. I would imagine. I think absence. more is going to be on his plate going forward, without question. And he's not a special player. I mean, he's ideally a two or a borderline one with Irv Smith, and they lost him early in the year. So, looking at this Vikings defense, you know, all year haven't really been able to dig super hard into Minnesota. I'm mm-hmm. a fan of the NFL, so I watch them from afar, and they're one of the most head-scratching teams in the league. Yeah, like, look strange. at all this talent that they have, and they're only they're struggling to get to 500, then they, they get just, over 500, and they drop two straight. Now they they're 5-7 and seven now. Play close games every week and lose more than they win. But after looking at some of the stuff and some of the stuff that you sent me and digging more into it, I really come to the conclusion that the defense is the side that's really letting them down out I there. I think so, too. Especially against the pass, although they're not really good against the run by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. But they give up nine yards per target to opposing wide receivers. That's 29th in the NFL. And yeah. that's a secondary where you got names like Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson, who's mm-hmm. probably past his prime, he is still a solid player. Right. Right. And they're just getting exploited week after week after week as having one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. And yeah. like I said, it doesn't get much better as the run side of things go either. So I, I think this is the unit you look at and say, oh, that's, that's why they're 5-7. and seven. I think you're 100% right. And it gets worse as the game goes on. Harrison Smith's still a really good player. He's one of the best safeties of this generation. Um, They've really gone four deep at corner, trying to look for answers there. None of them really have been. It sounds like Peterson will play in this game, but he's more name value than, you know, true value at this point. I mean, I'm sure they're happy to get him back, but he's far from the player he was. They don't really have man coverage corners. And then the other problem is, you know, when they had Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter as their edge rushers, well, okay. You know, they don't want to blitz a lot. You no, know, those they don't have to. And either. neither one of those guys is, is, has any chance to play in this game. They're out. They're, I mean, they're done for the year. Yeah, low-key, probably one of the teams that's been hit with the injury bug more Pretty hard. hard than anybody yeah. in the NFL has Especially been. Especially recent, this year. but those two were big. Uh, they've owned, this Vikings defense has given up more passing touchdowns than only three other defenses in the NFL. So they are extremely susceptible there. Uh, Looking at the linebacking core, it's dealing with injuries. Imagine that. Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, they're two main guys. Eric Kendricks leads the team by tackles in a wide margin. I bet. He's a great player. He missed last week. Barr missed last week. You know, those two names, they register when you look at them, especially Anthony Barr, I think, is a, a little bit of a household name as well. Yeah. Kendricks isn't as well-known, but he's he's a great player. He's better, yeah. Uh, On top of that, Blake Lynch, one of the guys that had a significantly bigger workload against the Lions because of those injuries, he is now questionable for the Oh, I didn't know that one. Okay. I think they expect him to play. But still. But he's still on the injury report right now. So three of their linebackers, two big-time starters, and one who stepped in for the starters that were hurt are now on the mend. That's It's going to be tough for them. It's going to be tough. And – they're really good at taking away tight ends, so their linebackers they are not been. just good at tackling, but they're really good at coverage they as are. well. 
Barr's a tall but now that you're tight the, end build. You're you know. into the third and fourth and fifth string linebacker now. Maybe Fryermuth can kind of expose them there where guys like Kittle in the past this year have not been able to. Right. I, I think you could be right. I mean, that has been a strength that's probably quickly turning into a weakness. Uh, the Lions had a lot of success throwing in the middle of the field against backup linebackers, often off play action. These, these young linebackers are biting more than the veterans would have. And so that's a, an area of the field the Steelers have to exploit. Um, the, the Zimmer defense, I mean, this goes back even to his Cincy days and when he was the coordinator, kind of focuses around two every down linebackers, you know, that can do everything well, coverage, blitz, you know, play the run, run. And without both of them, they were really hamstrung. And we'll see if those guys play, but really pay attention to that. Up front, they're 29th against the rush in the NFL. Just a terrible job at stopping the rushing attack. They give up 131.5 yards per game, and they average 4.7 yards allowed per carry. Only your Pittsburgh Steelers give up more yards per carry on the ground. They did do a decent job holding DeAndre Swift to just 3.7 yards per carry last week against the Lions. But it was all for naught because they lost the football game right, and they right. went up twenty nine points. But actually, Swift didn't play in that game, so it was Williams. Oh, I'm so, sorry, right, sorry. Still, Williams gave up three point seven yards. It was a little better last week. Maybe if it was Swift, it would have been four point seven. Maybe carry. it would have been yeah, like maybe it would have been a right. lot worse. But either way, their big nose tackle type Pierce, who they got from the Ravens, he opted out last year. He's been in and out of lineup too. They like, can't stay healthy. It's it's they everywhere. Stay healthy. It's thin. It's thin, and as the game goes on, it gets worse and. They have defensive tackle types playing defensive end. You know, I mean, they're, they're really looking for answers right now. 90% of the runs against Minnesota this year have gone for positive yardage. They're not good against the run, and they're not good against the pass, so you really don't have to pick your poison as far as how you want to attack them. But it's probably in the Steelers' best interest to run the ball. I think so. Because I that's mean, what they do best if absolutely. they actually commit to it. On and that pays side. off in the fourth quarter, and this defense isn't very deep. And if you can be physical with them early and – if Najee, like that 90% stat, I think is interesting because if Najee's getting positive yardage, it doesn't need to be 20 yard that gains. That doesn't happen much this year. <laughs> right. He gets, he gets hit in the backfield a lot. All the time. I mean, if he can get the line of scrimmage untouched, <laughs> that's the first part of the battle. One thing that I will highlight that this defense does extremely well is get after the quarterback. They have the they second do. most sacks in the NFL, only to your Pittsburgh Steelers, who once again lead the league in sacks. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing run that they've gone on as far as sacking the quarterback. And their three sacks per game is just .1 sack under Pittsburgh Pittsburgh in that category as well. Pittsburgh leads the league averaging 3.1 sacks per game. Unfortunately, though, for Minnesota, their leading sacker, Daniel Hunter, yeah. he's out for the year, and so is Everson Griffin. They're, <laughs> They're two second best pass leading sacker. Right. Exactly. But what's amazing, though, the balance that they have in this pass rush. It's interesting, yeah. Ten players have over one sack, so at least one and a half sack yeah. or more. Only ten players total on the Steelers have any right. half sack or anything. I mean, Watt gets a, a huge chunk of, of them, obviously. You know, right. 16 Vikings have at least a half a sack on the season. Yeah. So, I mean, so they, they are a good blitzing team. They, Zimmer. Everybody contributes. Yes. And Kendricks has actually had to pick up a lot of the slack. He's de facto mm-hmm. the team leader in sacks with those two being out now. Which is amazing. Right. Some of that's a credit. You know, a lot of people stepping up. Zimmer scheming things up for slot corners and linebackers and things like that to get home. But you'd rather have stars, <laughs> you know. You'd rather yeah, have Hunter, Hunter and Griffin, Griffin would be a lot and drop seven in the coverage, and those guys racking up sacks, like especially with the struggles they're having against the pass. I'm right, sure he'd love right. to drop a couple more guys back in. So the coverage. That, that stat's really interesting of where they get their sacks, and it's kind of good, kind of bad. Couple key matchups to keep an eye on before we wrap this up: Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson versus whoever decides to line up That's opposite of him, Joe Hayden, Akira right. Witherspoon, whoever it's going to be. Uh, 
it's definitely not going to go in the Steelers' favor. I don't think so. It's kind of like that, you know, when you have such a great basketball player, you let him get his and just stop everybody else. Hope everybody else. Let him get 10 yards, 150, or 10 catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown, but make that really be most of the passing attack for the Vikings. That's what I'm expecting. Yeah. Right. And finally, Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth versus Vikings safety Harrison Smith. It's Harrison Smith. It's the linebackers, but we just said it. They're really good at taking away that tight end. They have been. needs to step up in this game. Yeah, and Smith is a really interesting player. They'll use him all over the place. Um, I would think Barr and Kendricks have a lot to do with it, you know, in terms of their tight end production. They've done great about limiting tight ends. But that's when those guys are all healthy, and they haven't been – they weren't last week. Short week for the Steelers, short week for the Vikings. They do battle at 8.20 p.m. in Minnesota on Thursday night. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen here on the Advanced Scout. For Matt Williamson, I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you next week.